Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Prince coming at you today uh, for no particular reason. Actually, well, there is a reason. Uh, Paula, who I sit next to out in the office when I'm prepping for the show, I said, who's your favourite concert or singer that you'd love to go and see? She said, oh, Prince, all the time. So that's why we're here in Prince today, for no other reason. Uh, we just heard in the sports news there, wonderful return to the golf course for Lydia Ko. Incredible, really. Um, she's won two from two at the Saudi Ladies International, pocketing 700,000 rounds of 64, 69, 66, 68. Amazing for a one-shot win over Aditi Ashok. Um, just the one shot back and then a string of players on 19. But it was a very strong field. Um, so we're going to talk a number of things. Golf with Bruce Young. We'll kick off with Lydia, though, given it was just in our news. And we're very, very proud of it. Bruce Young, our fantastic golf analyst from across Australia. Before he comes to New Zealand for the New Zealand Open, Bruce, welcome in. Uh, good afternoon, Sav. Yes, uh, a great win by Lydia this morning. As you said, um, her first win, I suppose, since she's been married and with a new caddy on the bag and... 700,000, as you mentioned. Now, that's 700,000 US dollars. And by my calculations, that's her second biggest check in the game, following on from the $2 million that she won at the Tour Championship last year. There's a certain level of hypocrisy in all this, though, isn't there? I mean, I see, you know, I'm no great fan of Liv necessarily, but um, there's been a lot of conjecture and a lot of speculation and a lot of... Uh, distasteful remarks about the men playing for Saudi money wherever it might be but here are the ladies, not an LPGA tour event but a ladies European tour event playing in Saudi Arabia for a, a, a purse of 5 million US total purse and 700,000 there's a level of hypocrisy that there's been no noise about this that the women are playing there but the men have copped so much criticism for playing there and I'm, as I said I'm not defending Liv by any stretch of the imagination but it just seems a little bit perhaps unfair that the women aren't copying some of the criticism that men have had to put up with. Yeah, I made that point um, the other day, Bruce, that I watched the um, tour of Saudi um, part of the professional cycling um, calendar and nothing. Uh, they have motor racing there. They have mixed martial arts. They have world boxing titles. And there is some hypocrisy around but away from all that fantastic for Lydia to be back in form so soon after having quite a lengthy break as well um, so much golf to talk about though Bruce um, John Rahm I wanted to talk to you about John Rahm actually I wrote down his last oh, I hope I've still got it here as I make noise to here it is since the 2nd of December his finishing positions have been 3rd 7th 1st 1st 8th 4th 1st I can't recall a run like that in men's professional golf um, in my memory. No, and it probably parallels in some respects, although betters the run of Scotty Scheffler throughout the first half of last year. And, of course, Scheffler had to regain that number one position with his win, I think, last week. But John Ram, as a courtesy, as a, as a result of the great run that he's on that you've just mentioned, I think he's won five of his last nine starts worldwide has moved back to the number one position. And he probably was the number one player in the world 
despite the rankings, which are starting to lose a little bit of relevance because of the amount of players playing live golf now that might otherwise, including Cameron Smith, Dustin Johnson and one or two others that may well be inside the top 50 in the world rankings. But John Ram, I think, um, deservedly is back at number one in the world. And the run that he's been on has just been simply fantastic. Can you clarify me um, the, the players in Live Golf and their qualification for majors? Um, I think we're still going to see some of them qualifying majors because of world rankings because they haven't dipped enough. But maybe from next year on, are we going to start seeing difference? Can, can you explain to me qualifying for majors? Well, typically, there's a range of criteria for the various majors. But typically, if you're inside the top 50 in the world, you're going to get a start at the Masters, the Open the US Open and the PGA Championship. There are some other criteria as well, but once these guys start to slip outside the top 50, if indeed this standoff between the two organisations, the PGA Tour and the US, um, and the Live Golf continues, then some of these guys will drift out, drift outside the top 50 and not uh, be eligible. But those inside the top 50 and those that qualify through other means, such as the winners of the the Open Championship, like Cameron Smith, and and um, and and the winners of the Masters, like Dustin Johnson, in previous years, and others that are playing golf that have that have won the Masters in previous years, they'll get all four majors now. They're entitled to play in those major championships because they're outside the uh, control of the PGA Tour. They're all um, supported and, and sanctioned by either the USGA, the US PGA, not the PGA Tour, but the US PGA Tour. Um, the uh, the R&A in terms of the Open Championship and of course the Masters is controlled by Augusta National uh, so all those um, players that are playing live golf at the moment will get to play in the majors this year but as as of next year when that uh, very important qualifying criteria, criteria of being inside the top 50 uh, comes to an end then um, things may look a bit different in 2024. Mm, yeah, as you say, previous winners, they've got almost lifetime exemption, haven't they? And 10-year exemption for other majors, I think. Is that right? Yeah, look, it varies from major to major. I think for, for the Open Championship, as long as, you, as long as you're under the age of 60, I think now it was 65, they might have put it back to 60. But as long as you're under the age of 60 and a previous champion, you've got to start. And it's the same at the, at the Masters. I think it's a similar category as well. I think you have to be under 65 there now. But as long as you've won that event previously, you get a start. So, um, yeah, look, there's a range of criteria. But uh, as I said, uh, as these players like Cameron Smith, who was number two in the world, I think, when he went to start playing live golf, um, he's, he's now down at number four. In fact, the rankings have just come out. I think he might even have dropped to number five now. Um, those exemptions will start to wear off and uh, it'll take a while for him to drift outside the top 50, obviously, because he's still going to get to play the majors this year, Cameron Smith, and who knows, he might win another one of them mm-hmm. and, and, and retain much of that ranking. But for some of the others, it's going to provide a bit of a quandary for them. One player that has exemptions probably for the rest of his life is Tiger Woods made a return and while it's not the tiger of the of the lofty heights, you know, in the early two thousands, etc., I was amazed at how well he got it round on one and a half legs. Um, he's such a competitor. Threatened there for a while, and I just think the fourth round, um, you know, his body was starting to shut down. What what a story this is for for Tiger Woods, the golfer. Well, that even made the weekend at Riviera, I think, was a huge achievement in itself. Nobody really even believed 
when he said a week and a half ago that he was going to be teeing it up there, that he would or that he could. Um, and as we saw throughout the course of the week, he was still very much favouring that foot of his. And um, But that he's been able to come back two years after that almost um, life-threatening accident and the injuries that it caused to his legs more especially, that he's able to come back and compete. And that third round of 67 that he shot, well, I mean, that was simply stunning, really. OK, he faded a little bit in the course of the last round, but that's to be expected given that he's uh, walking 72 holes for the first time in those uh, two years. Uh, I think it just further highlights what an amazing athlete and an amazing competitor Tiger Woods is. So it's great to see him back. We saw the crowds there over the course of the week um, really there to support him and, and encourage him as, 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 uh, as they would. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's great for the game and just good to have him back. As to how much he's going to continue on playing remains to be seen. It'll be a very selected schedule, I think, over the next few weeks. I'm sure he'll play at the Masters. Whether he'll play again before the Masters remains to be seen. But wherever he tees it up, he's going to be competitive, maybe not capable of winning, but he's going to be competitive staff. And I think that's just great for the game, isn't it? Sure is. And um, great for the New Zealand Open, as Steve Elka has indicated. He's coming back to play in that. Another top 10 finish for him this week. Unbelievably, Bernard Langer is still winning. He's well over the qualifying age, but still got a fantastic game in him with 64, 70, 65. But Steve Elka, um, you'll be back here for the New Zealand Open, and so's he. Um, he's a great draw card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, it is fabulous. He was a bit unlucky this morning. He lost the ball at the last hole and double bogeyed the last hole, which might otherwise have given him a top five finish, which, uh, you know, he's played just the one event earlier this year. He lost his caddy, his caddy, the guy that was with him all of last year and for most of his, I think for the last three or four years, the latter part of his regular tour career and the early part of his uh, senior or champions tour career, he passed away just recently. And uh, so he's got a new caddy on the bag. Um, but he, I think, uh, you know, I think he finished third or second or third in the first event that he played this year, continuing on from that great season last year. And now another very good week, despite that last hold, um, the, the troubles that he found on the last hole today. So it's going to be great to see him back, uh, Elka, back at the New Zealand Open. He's he's finished runner-up in it a couple of times, and I think part of the motivation for him wanting to come back and play at Millbrook is the fact that the potential exists for him to potentially win his own National Open. So he's going to up against the younger guys who will be playing off the back tees, which they don't always play on the regular tour. But the manner in which he's playing and competing staff I think is just fantastic and it's fantastic for the tournament because there's a great deal of interest in Steve Elka's performances at the moment. And just mentioning Bernard Langer, I'll tell you a little story about Bernard Langer. In 1974, I caddied for Simon Owen when he won the German Open in a place called Crayfield in Germany. And in the first two rounds of that event, Simon played with a young 16-year-old Bernard Langer who we didn't know, wouldn't known from a bar of soap at the time. And uh, he didn't perform particularly well. He was pretty nervous and, you know, as a young kid playing his own National Open, he was struggling a little bit. But um, And Simon was asked afterwards by the German Golf Federation what they thought of their young prodigy and, and I think Simon very diplomatically said he looks like a young man with a bit of talent, but he struggled obviously this week. But I think he's aged a little bit better than me, staff. Let's put it that way. At the age of six... <laughs> at the age of 65, winning his 45th Champions Tour event and equaling the record of Hale Irwin, who, of course, 
was such a dominant figure through the 90s and the 2000s on the PGA Tour champions. So, yeah, he's a role model to so many people, Bernard Langer. But I, 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 feel, I often feel quite proud that I was there when he played in his very first German Open in 1974. 50 years ago. Tell me about it. Jeepers, Bruce. <laughs> you're sounding magnificent. <laughs> why, why does someone like Bernard Langer keep going around? Like, financially, he doesn't have to. Is it just the love of the game? Look, I think he's a, he's always been a very fit, uh, you know, kept himself in great shape. I'm sure he, a bit like Bob Charles in that regard, because of the fact that he really has looked after his body over a long period of time about what he puts in it um, and the exercise regimes he has. Yeah, obviously, he's always been very talented. He's not only won two uh, Masters championships, so two majors, but he's also won over 100 professional events around the world. I think he's just got a, a yeah a, a passion for the game to keep to want to keep playing it through your fifties and sixties and keep keep competing when you're already pretty well established in your life. I think tells the story about Bernard Langer, but he's an amazing example. He's a, as I said, he's an amazing role model. He's got a great faith. I mean, I, I sometimes it wears a bit thin hearing him referring to his faith regularly, but that's kept him going in a big way, and good luck to him for that. But um, uh, I think there's a combination of reasons that makes him such a an amazing performer because he's not only been he along with Seve Ballesteros and Nick Faldo were, were changed the fortunes of European golf and they mm. were really the key players when Europe started to turn the tables in terms terms of the Ryder Cup through the early 80s um, early 80s and from that point on really and they've. You know, every time the Ryder Cup's performed, it's 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 a toss-up to see who might win between the Americans and the Europeans. And Bernard Langer has played a big part in that. You've led into <clears throat> perfectly without even knowing, Bruce, that Paul from Christchurch <laughs> has just texted in and said, can I ask Bruce if um, live golfers are eligible to play the Ryder Cup? Uh, at this stage, no. Um, uh, there's still a lot of discussion between... The well, the, it is the, the Ryder Cup is a PGA of America event. It's not a PGA Tour event. Right. But to my knowledge, at this stage, um, there's been no decision made on whether the Americans or indeed the Europeans, um, uh, the Europeans, European side of that equation is controlled by the uh, European Tour, Keith Pelly. But to my knowledge, at this stage, there's no decision being made on whether they will um, be able to uh, participate in the Ryder Cup, which is going to be a little sad, I suppose, in some respects, but um, it's just the way it is. And until such time, there's some sort of resolution in this. The golf golfing will be, still be somewhat divided. I think the first of the uh, live golf events for this year is on this coming week, if I, my memory serves me correctly. So um, all the hype about that will once again restart and will be once again... I mean, it's continued to be a legal situation, hasn't it, really? Um, mm. Litigation issues carry, continue to carry on, not only between the two organisations, but between players as well. So it's an ugly scene, and let's hope that some way they can sort it out. Yeah, the one thing I want to see out of the Ryder Cup is I would love at one Ryder Cup to see Ian Poulter as European captain. That would be compelling viewing. Well, I've just been watching episode three of uh, Full Swing, which is the Netflix new series, and it focuses on Poulter and his desire to be the Ryder Cup captain. Uh, he is passionate, as we all know, about the Ryder Cup mm. and his performances. I don't think he's yet to be... I think he's yet to be beaten in singles in the Ryder Cup. He's got a phenomenal match play record in the Ryder Cup. And much of that episode uh, was focusing on 
him uh, and uh, and talks a lot about his desire to be Ryder Cup captain. And there could be no pa- more passionate person for Europe than uh, Ian Poulter, as zany as he is at times. Yeah, oh, he's colourful. <laughs> I, I've always enjoyed him. And I always used to put a bet on him at world match play because he is built for ma- – he's, he's a triple bogey, double bogey, birdie, birdie, eagle kind of guy, and that's what you want in match play. I, just, I love him in match play. Hey, Bruce, we've got to move on. Really enjoyed catching up with you, which we will continue to do as we build to the New Zealand Open. It'll be great to have you over here. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Steph. Cheers. There is Bruce Young, um, former caddy um, around the world. Interesting, he's caddying for Simon Owen at the German Open when Bernard Langer was 16. That's how long Bruce Young has been involved in the game of golf, and he'll be part of the commentary team when the New Zealand Golf Open uh, resumes here and Stephen Elka taking part, which is just absolutely fantastic. Uh, We'll have a break. We'll come back after this.